my name is Kim Cosgrove, and it's good to be here. Uh, it's good to be here, even though it's a little different and a little odd. So I'll give you a little bit of a life update. Um, I am now a Golden Doodle owner, okay? Four-month-old Marnie. I've never prepared a talk while having a puppy. Uh, this talk may reflect that, so we'll see how that goes. And I may have more dog illustrations than normal. Sorry about that as well. But started training her. Uh, she's picking things up very quickly. She can sit, lie down, uh, get in her bed, get in her crate, and speak. So now we all know what I mean when I say a dog speaks. Obviously, she's not using words. She's barking with gusto. Dogs can understand words, but they don't speak in words. And maybe that's why I'm such a dog person. They don't talk to me. So my husband and I are a little different with words. I come from a family of introverts, and uh, we talk to share communication of facts. Uh, My husband's an extrovert, and so... He uses lots of words. And so that's kind of an ongoing struggle. I'm always, how can I say this in as few words as possible and convey the meaning? And he's the opposite. How can I be so clear that no one could ever misunderstand me? But one of the ways that I was broken in my use of words is that the big lens over what I would say would be, how is this going to affect me? Okay. Um, So if my life had a proverb over it, it would be better to be silent and thoughtful than open your mouth and remove all doubt. And actually, that isn't a proverb. It could be because there's some proverbs about holding your tongue. I think it was said by Lincoln or Mark Twain. But at the end of the day, I just want things to go well for me. Okay, that was how I governed the use of language. So today we're moving into how to speak wisely. And this is our first application point of the wise life. uh, People, it's estimated people speak between 7,000 to 15,000 words per day. And just for the record, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, the numbers bear out about the same. We talk every day. So it's not surprising that the author of our study picked words to start us off with an application of wisdom. So as we get started, let's pray and read the passage uh, that we're going to cover today. I'll start with with the word. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So let's pray. Father, would you teach us, would you use my words today to teach us how to be wise speakers? And we pray it all in your son's name. Amen. So the first thing I notice in this passage is that there's two people, one with rash words and one with a wise tongue. So let's just be real clear. There's, there's no doubt we are both types of people. James 3 is very clear on this. The tongue is untamable. This is our condition. There is no plan to keep it in check perfectly. Uh, the second thing I notice is the dramatic nature of what happens when we speak. Life or death? Now, those are some dramatic words that get my attention, especially the the image here of sword thrusts. We've been watching Turn on Netflix, which is about the American Revolution, and their guns have bayonets, all right? So there's lots of sword thrusts. There's lots of stabbing. It's a very vivid image. It's very painful, a gory way to go, and it should get our attention. So 
wise person, the wise person speaks life and healing. Words are powerful, and God has made them that way. Of all God's creation, we are the only worded beings. God calls himself the word, and God has always been speaking. Before creation, there was speaking within the Godhead. At creation, the world and everything in it appears by God's word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast, says Psalm 33, 9. The words God spoke are all throughout the Bible. Someone said, it's a good thing when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb that he used his name, because if he hadn't, everybody would have risen out of the dead. He says, Lazarus, come forth. One of the main reason likenesses we have to God as image bearers are that we speak. What an incredible honor and privilege and responsibility. I learned something a few years ago that was new to me. It's called speech act theory. I'm just curious, has anybody ever heard of that? Raise a hand. Okay, so I'm not the only one that had never heard of this. Okay. There's a, it was a theory put forth by a British philosopher of language named J.L. Austin in the 1950s, in which he theorized that words actually do things. He wrote a book called How to Do Things with Words. So I could go on this long rabbit trail about speech act theory, which I'm not going to do, praise God, right? Uh, but I wanted you to be familiar with it because I'm going to... Uh, Tie it to the idea that God has a plan to do things with our words. So just an uh, just, uh, explanation of what it is. Austin describes a speech act as something expressed by an individual that not only presents information, but performs an action as well. <clears throat> so let's get an example. If I'm at a table and I said, this food needs salt, okay, the speech act theory would say that there are three things about that statement. One is what was said. This food needs salt. That was what was said. The second is what is meant, uh, meaning that I would enjoy this food much more if it had salt. The third thing is what happens as a result of the statement. Okay, Might be somebody passes me the salt. Okay, So there are the three elements of the speech act theory. So theologians... Kevin Van Hooser and Herman Bevink have written theologically about applying that theory to the Bible. So, using that, we are worded beings made in the image of God to use our words to do things like God. But, big problem, we are broken and disfigured. So back to the dog. Nothing gets me moving faster than hearing the sounds that my dog is getting ready to throw up. Okay, it's like, I had it the other night. It's like you hear it and you go, boom, out of the bed, I'm moving, right? Because you know something bad is getting ready to happen. It's the sound that we know something's wrong. And we ought to be paying attention that in our world today, the words that are being used, something is wrong. Um, I would like to say this is only an unredeemed humanity problem. But sadly, that is not true. I want to be very clear here. I am directing this talk to the church at large, this local body here, and you and I in particular. 
We don't always speak wisely. So a few examples of this. I won't belabor the point, but just to give you an illustration of some things that you've seen. You don't see, uh, it's not too hard to find, sadly. But there was a missionary who was in the UK. He's from Australia. And he, he got in the news because he was th- being threatened to be deported okay, from the UK back to Australia. So what was the problem? Well, he had commented on a local Facebook page about a Rainbow Fest gay pride event in Cornwall, which had been canceled. So he made a comment, and the comment said, wonderful news. Okay, that was the comment. Then, of course, there was interaction on the page. Why do you say that that's wonderful news? And so he said, because I don't think sin should be celebrated. And so then upon answering further questions, he quoted from Scripture. John, James, 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> now, stop. You might agree with his sentiments. I might agree with his sentiments. But at the very least, you can admit it's not a wise use of words on a public forum for someone who's trying to reach people <clears throat> to say something in a public space that inflames them. It was not a wise thing to say to do what he's trying to do, to reach that place with the gospel. Some of the most ungracious words that have been spoken appear in public places by people that I probably agree with theologically. Between politics, racial issues, coronavirus handling, women's roles in the church... And 10,000 other things we have disagreements about, I think we can agree that we don't do a great job with our words. We need God. So, what should gracious, redeemed speech look like? Hopefully everybody got a handout. I'm now on point two. Speaking wisely looks like truth and love. So I don't know if you've uh, ever seen a two-by-two chart before. I was... uh, Introduced to them through a book by Andy Crouch called Strong and Weak, where he uh, unpacks a two-by-two chart on authority and vulnerability. It's a great book, by the way. But I'm going to show you, I've put together a two-by-two chart on the characteristics of godly speech. Okay, so I'll show you how to read this thing. It's based on Ephesians 4.15, which says... Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. In other words, wise speech has truth and love. So those are the two attributes that are represented in the, in the cross of the box. Love going one way, truth going horizontally. So if you tend to think of truth and love as on a horizontal line with love at one end and truth on the other... You can start to think that, okay, I'm trying to find the perfect balance of truth and love. And you're trying to hit it right in the middle and not lean. But you do lean one way or the other. And that's because truth and love are not or. They're supposed to both be there at once. And so that's why the two-by-two chart says it has a better picture of what it should be like. So we're supposed to be fully truthful and fully loving. So this is the way that Jesus spoke. And he is in the upper right corner of this box. Uh, 
So the only part of this chart that shows godly speech is in the upper right corner. It's where it's bounded by truth and love. And it is flourishing speech. That's how humans were created to speak. Uh, So if you see that that is the way you should speak, there's not just one way to fall off on this. There's three, okay? One good way, three not so good ways. And so when it's when your speech is bounded only by love and no truth, you have disastrous empathy. When your speech is bounded by truth but not love, you end up with combative moralism. And if it's missing both attributes, you you end up with ruinous withdrawal or indifference. So, if only it was as easy as just understanding this chart to be able to do this well. Uh, It is not easy to do this well. And that is why we grow in wisdom. So, I want to talk about three areas and give you examples to try to round out this idea. The three areas we speak are three Ps. Public, private, and personal. Public words are things kind of probably that you come to mind when you think about speech. Social media, we live in this brave new world of connectedness. Our words travel like never before. So those are public words. Private words are where the audience is more controlled. It might be within your family. It might be at work. It might be with friends. You know who your audience is when you're having private words. Personal words are the things that only you know. You talking to yourself and what you tell yourself. So, some examples about each of these three areas. Public, private, and personal. Um, I've seen some public comments made by believers about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She died a couple of weeks ago, I believe. And without a doubt, she contributed to a horrible evil in our country the defense of the abortion law. But the conversation I might have with another about Ruth Bader Ginsburg would be much different in public than it would be in private. The gospel doesn't allow us to dehumanize anyone into only their choices. There is a soul that God made and whom other souls have loved. We have to be incredibly wise in how we speak in public so as to not image forth something that is not true of God. Okay, now example of private speech. I'm having a text conversation with a friend uh, recently. It's going well. We're talking about significant things. And then all of a sudden, something is said that hurts me. Okay, so at that point... I now have an option of how I'm going to deal with this. Am I going to deal with this truthfully and honestly, uh, but with love? And so I have to consider my audience. And uh, so I decide that I need to disengage. And so I say that. And and then it's at the point of, okay, now now do I speak to this, this hurt that I've had? And so after weighing who the audience was and knowing the situation involved, where she is in her life experience or experiences right now, it it was I needed to be truthful, but I also needed to be loving, and it wasn't going to be loving to address it. It was one of those things that fits in the area of 
I just need to forgive this and go on. There's lots of things like that. So that's private speech. Then, now, personal speech. Another a major event in my life was at a time when uh, God was working on me in my marriage. Uh, I had read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. And the tagline said, you cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And so it became a time of real reflection of what is, go- what is true that is going on in me at the moment. And am I going to risk speaking when I may put myself at risk as to not get the response that I want? So these are the three areas and three different things that we have to grow in each area to know how to to do this well. So you need to know your audience. You need to know your medium. Is it face-to-face, social media, written, phone? And and what's your purpose? Why are you speaking? Uh, and, And that may take some time with the Lord. Maybe you need to step back and ask him, why do we ever risk speaking? Uh, And the reason we risk speaking is because we see something of value that cannot be achieved without it. God wants to do things through our words. And so there are times we need to speak. So moving to the last point, learning to speak wisely not only means speaking in truth and love, but it needs being, being transformed. We need to let God speak first. Words reveal. That's what they do. God is a God of language, and he's embodied it in Jesus. There's probably nothing more powerful about what I'm talking about when it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came to reveal God. It was his idea to reveal himself. God's word always accomplishes what he sent it out to do. It's why I put such a high emphasis on the word. We need to be hearing the voice of God. And I don't think we're in any danger of listening too much. We're very distracted and we have an enemy that doesn't want us to hear. God is always speaking to do something in us. We need to listen. Looking at that Fleming Rutledge quote at the bottom, it says, The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a list of things to believe, but a summons to hear the voice of God. That is the voice which will transform our speech. Jesus was perfect in the way he spoke. Sometimes he spoke, sometimes he was silent. Sometimes he was gentle, and sometimes he was angry. We need to hear the voice of God so that we speak wisely. There's no formula for always saying the right thing, except to be so transformed by the word of God that your heart beats like his. This should be our prayer. So do you love him? The word became flesh. He didn't come as a weapon, but as a lamb who was pierced. He didn't wield a sword but took a spear to the side. He experienced the death our sins deserve and defeated it so that we could have life. 
When that reality is deep inside your heart and you have his life coursing through you, you will be a speaker of life to others. We learn to speak wisely by being spoken to. And like God, our words do things. Let's use our words for life. Let's pray. And then I would like to, Jacob was going to come up and uh, play for us as we, the words to a song is on the back. And there he is. Okay. So I'll pray and then we'll, we'll end in a little worship. Father, we need much wisdom. Our world is desperate to know you. Uh, The world doesn't want you, and the world doesn't know it needs you. But we who have been transformed by your word, by your voice in our our life, which which brought us to life from death, uh, you have given us this incredible privilege to speak. May we use it in a way that brings honor and glory to you, uh, joy to ourselves, and life to the world. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.